Welcome to Modern Dogma, a Christian considering today's ideas. I'm your host, Elias. What does it mean to be a conservative or a liberal Christian? Is it a politics thing? Is it a theological thing? Is there a difference? Many non-Christians complain that it appears to be religiously conservative is to be politically conservative, that they are really the same thing these days, encapsulated by the conservative evangelical voting bloc. It appears that someone that takes the Bible seriously, too seriously, in their words, makes them automatically politically conservative. Many atheists love to complain about their backwards, Trump-loving, red-hat-wearing, fundamentalist Christian uncle, for instance. Zealous Christian faith is conflated with zealous right-wing politics. Indeed, I'm guessing you yourselves probably know a Christian or two that is very politically conservative. Perhaps they vote straight R down the ballot in every election. And when you talk with them, you get a seamless mixture of Fox News talking points along with biblical theology. And so there is the inevitable backlash within the church where many Christians, particularly young Christians, jump and protest, I'm a Christian that isn't automatically politically conservative. In fact, Jesus was politically liberal. I hate Donald Trump. Jesus would have hated Republicans because the Pharisees and Sadducees were the political conservatives of their day. And Jesus was an immigrant man of color that fought for the marginalized of society and gave out free health care. These Christians will express their empathy with the secular left and bemoan, I hate how so many Christians at my church only talk about abortion and gay marriage, but there are so many other issues Jesus would care about, and the Democratic Party does a better job addressing those other issues. I'm a political liberal. And then there are Christians that want to appear more moderate. These Christians partly agree with the politically liberal Christians that there is an artificial, unbiblical, man-made link between conservative politics and Christianity, but the political liberals go too far by making Jesus into a Democrat. Don't they know Jesus was an independent? Jesus would have voted Republican on some issues, but Democrat on other issues. He wouldn't really lean too far in either direction, though. The two parties in America today are almost evenly split on things they are right and things they are wrong about. Christianity is all about finding the radical middle, the centrist position on all political issues. Truth is never on the fringes. Christianity is about political balance. But finally, there is a whole other group of believers that go further and say, you guys are all wrong. Christianity is apolitical. We are citizens of heaven. Why are you so concerned over politics in the first place? Stop giving in to the propaganda of two-party politics. They're a uniparty anyway. They're all the same. Politics is dirty and worldly and base. What purpose does it serve the church? We should be focused solely on evangelism and discipleship. The church is too wrapped up with political interests. Pastors shouldn't be providing guidance on how to vote or think about politics. That's not the point. We need to disengage from the world and the secular political machine. So how should we think about politics as believers? Does scripture give us any help here? Absolutely it does. The Bible gives us help on every single important subject we ever encounter in life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17 goes so far as to say that scripture in its entirety is profitable, 
It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that we Christians may be complete, equipped for every good work. You can insert politics there in the last phrase. God will help us think through the political landscape of our time. But that being said, politics is one of the most confusing issues we need to deal with as Christians. And I think there are two main reasons why politics is so difficult for the typical Christian to think through. The first reason is the constant barrage of the world's opinion. This one is obvious. Especially with the internet, you can be just constantly connected to the world's ignorant, uninformed, false teachings on every single thing. And I think if we're not careful here and spend more of our time connected to our screens rather than meditating on God's word, we need to be humble and recognize that it's going to affect the way we think. None of us are such spiritual giants that we can transcend our natural inclination as fallen human beings to have our thinking shaped by the opinions we surround ourselves with. Psalms chapter 1 verses 1 to 2 tells us, quote, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but verse 2, rather, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, end quote. So, blessed, happy is the Christian that doesn't just surround himself with CNN and Reddit and Instagram, but rather fills his mind with the Bible. Are we prioritizing reading and thinking about our Bibles? Because if not, no wonder we feel so confused about politics. The second reason I think politics is so difficult to navigate for a Christian is a much more subtle and much more insidious reason. And that is because I believe the world has suckered us Christians into buying into the idea of politics itself. You see, the world has proposed a claim that when it comes to every single important moral matter, when it comes to every single important truth claim, the world has arbitrarily dubbed it a political issue. And if it's a political issue, it's not a simple matter of right and wrong, and you absolutely cannot use religion or the Bible to make your case. So if you want to have a conversation about gay marriage, for example, you can't weigh in on this issue as a Christian from a Christian worldview. You can't think biblically on this. It's not a matter of sin and righteousness. It's about civil liberties, equality, constitutional precedent. The world says, you need to enter this box we made called politics if you want to be heard on this issue, and you can't bring your Bible into this box. The thing is, the politics box, by its nature, is a very cynical and confusing and subjective world. Nothing is black and white. Everything is this indiscernible gray. Everyone appeals to how things ought to be, but according to their perspective. Nothing is ever as it seems. Everything is apparently actually a power play between different political parties. Nothing is ever done or said in good faith. Everything is theater. Everyone threatens, you're on the wrong side of history. Everyone cites legal precedents to make their case. Everyone appeals to equality to make their case, while being blind to the fact that they are effectively making some more equal than others. And you can never, ever simplify the issues and shed some much-needed light by just declaring what God says about the issue. No Christianity allowed. You see, by framing every single important idea as a scare quotes political issue, Christians are made afraid to speak God's truth on a subject. 
You can't talk about abortion as a Christian using the Bible because that's a political issue. You can't talk about immigration, nationalism. I mean, you can't even talk about religious freedom. You can't talk about Christianity as a Christian because it's made into a political issue. Do you see how absurd the logic is? So I think the main reason politics is so confusing for us as believers is because we erroneously bought into the world's political language. We are being told, here, come into the politics box and make your case. Check your religion at the door. This is a neutral playing field. You don't want to play the politics game in bad faith, do you? If you bring your Bible, you're just showing how religiously biased you are. You need to make your argument according to our rules if you're going to convince us. But the game of politics doesn't have fair rules. Everyone has a worldview filled with assumptions and biases. Whether you're an atheist, Hindu, Muslim, agnostic, whatever, we all have starting points about reality that are unproven. It's just assumed. It's just that the Christian starting point is the only one that makes any sense. But in the politics box, everyone is allowed to bring their worldview except Christians. Can you imagine if a Christian congressman appealed to the Bible while proposing a law? I want to pass this law because God said it is right. Can you imagine how they would be destroyed by the media as some ignorant country bumpkin? Have you ever tried talking about some touchy political issue, whatever that means, with your militant atheist friend, and you started quoting scripture? Yeah, how did that go? So we're constantly told, nope, you can't use your Bible on that. That's a political issue. Nope. You can't cite a chapter and verse on that issue. That's also a political issue. Uh, is anything not a political issue? No, actually, everything important is really part of this category we made up called politics. You can't use Christianity to talk about these things. Friends, make no mistake. The way politics is being defined by the world is really nothing more than the world coming up with a crafty way to silence Christians. Every other worldview is allowed to share their ignorant opinion on abortion, religious liberty, economics, yet not the Christian worldview. And this shouldn't surprise us. The Bible informs us that there is a real spiritual enemy out there guiding the powers that be. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us our true battle is against Satan and his demonic forces, not fellow human beings. We expect Christians to be singled out and suppressed because we represent God. Satan's mortal enemy, and God has chosen in his wisdom to allow Satan temporary, limited, but nevertheless widespread influence in the background of all civil societies. That all being said, the politics game, the politics box, exists and will continue to exist. The politics game is how our nation runs and gets real material stuff done. The game is stupid. The game is rigged against us Christians, but unfortunately, the outcomes still actually affect us. So how do we think about politics and how do we play the game? Well, I want to explain the way I answer those questions in part two of this podcast, because before we dive into any complicated subject, 90% of the question is addressed by making sure you get definitions right. Few things are more frustrating than seeing two people get into a debate and they talk past each other because they're not even defining the terms the same way. So I think a really helpful place to start when thinking about politics is to define the terms we used at the beginning of the episode. What is a conservative or liberal Christian? We hear those terms all the time in church, but I don't think it's usually explained very well. Is a conservative Christian the same as someone who is politically conservative, or does it mean something else? 
But then, what does it mean to be politically conservative? I'll give the short answer here before we dive in. No, there is a difference between being theologically conservative and being politically conservative. But confusingly, the two terms are oftentimes combined together by people because there is a lot of overlap between theological conservatism and political conservatism. We'll see why that overlap exists more in part two, but we'll address it partly today. Now, let me give a couple quick disclaimers here. First, if you couldn't already tell, I am going to be speaking from the context of an American. That's the context I know and live. I don't pretend to be able to speak competently to other national contexts, so I won't bother. But I think the principles I espouse today are going to be helpful for anyone in any place or time. Second, I'm going to be defining terms according to its vernacular usage. In other words, the way these ideas and words are defined by the ordinary, common person on the street. The term liberal in particular is very tricky. If you take the word liberal in its technical, political theory, textbook sense, it actually means a lot of things that are very different from the way you and I typically think the word liberal means. So that can maybe be a separate discussion, but I will be sticking to what I think is the more valuable way to go about this topic, and that is to deal with these words and concepts as it is dealt with by most Americans today. Definitions of words change over time, and instead of getting hung up on the strict historical etymology of a word, we need to deal with words as they are currently used in order to get to the ideas behind those words. So let's start with politics. What does it mean to be a political conservative? I think the best place to start is just look at the word, conservative. A political conservative is someone that wants to conserve something. Or, in other words, the conservative looks backward to the past to help him define what he thinks ought to be today in the present. So, from an American context, the political conservative points to the old traditional American values and worldview as the values and worldview that should be adopted today. Uh, conservation of the past is what is best for our present and future. Now, what are those traditional American values? Some of the most important stereotypical ones would be the nuclear family, one dad, one mom, and children, uh, rugged independence and taking personal responsibility for things, limited government, prioritizing individual liberty over collective interests, etc. So the obvious most important political arm that represents conservative politics is the Republican Party. And that is really the face most people put to political conservatism in America. But there are other smaller political parties that also claim to uphold conservative values. In fact, they claim they are much more ideologically pure in their conservatism than the Republican Party, and it's hard to argue against that. And that includes organizations like the conservative wing of the Libertarian Party or the Constitution Party and the like. So on the flip side, the way I like to frame liberal politics is whereas a conservative looks backward to inform their political opinions, the liberal looks forward. Rather than trying to conserve the past, the liberal states, we need to look forward. History needs to progress to a better state. Stop looking backwards. Things were bad in the past. The future can be better than the present. Stop glorifying history and traditions. We need to move beyond to something new. 
American values need to change and reform and transform. The obvious face you put to liberal politics is the Democratic Party. But again, there are smaller political parties that claim to uphold the ideals of progressing society much more effectively. This includes the left wing of the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, and even several explicitly Marxist or socialist parties. I know I already said it in the disclaimer, but yes, I am dumping all of the left into the label of liberalism, because that is what most Americans do today. Yes, technically, leftism is not the same as liberalism. Yes, a liberal is technically different from a progressive, blah, blah, blah. But there is an underlying unifying idea in the full gamut of the political left that most people call liberalism, where the idea is to look forward to a brighter future rather than glorifying the past, to progress to something better rather than attempting to conserve traditions. Okay, now... Here comes an important point. Please note that there is nothing inherently biblical or unbiblical about either political ideology according to just my definitions here. Please don't jump to conclusions yet. Let me finish my entire thought on politics and then you can hate on me all you want. But for now, just note that there is nothing inherently righteous or sinful about simply looking backwards and trying to conserve the past or simply looking forwards for a new way. Either political tactic can be right or wrong. It all depends on whether the past was relatively good or relatively evil. If it's generally good, conserve it. Right-wing politics, conservative politics is the answer. However, if the traditions are evil... If past history is founded on something relatively immoral, the Christian should be pushing for reform, for complete transformation. That brings us to left-wing politics, liberalism. But how do you determine the moral value of a thing? How do we look at the foundation of America and traditional American values and come to a definitive conclusion whether it was relatively righteous or relatively evil? And that brings us to the second set of labels we are defining today, conservative and liberal theology. The answer to our question of how to determine moral worth is, as Christians, God's Word. God's Word, as it is captured by the Bible, is our window into understanding what is truly good and what is truly evil. Not what the world tells us is good and evil, what is actually good and evil. And how you handle the Bible is what ultimately determines where you are on the spectrum of conservative and liberal theology. Now, again, note, we are on a totally different spectrum now. We are talking about a totally different thing. We are talking about right and left, conservative and liberal on the theological spectrum, not the political spectrum. But the root idea of a conservative and liberal theologian is similar to the definition of a conservative and liberal politician. So take conservative theology. Just like the conservative politician, a conservative Christian looks backward and seeks to conserve the past. The past is the good part and we need to preserve it for the present. But whereas in politics we are trying to conserve the past history and traditions of America, in theology, we are trying to conserve the past history and traditions of the Bible. 
Specifically, we are seeking to preserve biblical doctrine as it was revealed in stages throughout human history by God through the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, etc., through the prophets, through Jesus, and through Jesus' apostles. You see, the revelation of God never takes a detour. Biblical doctrine doesn't suddenly veer off into a brand new progressive radical departure. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 8 to 9 warns us that because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, therefore don't be led away by strange different teachings. Biblical doctrine doesn't change. It just builds upon the same ideas with more detail. God doesn't give totally contradicting new information. He doesn't abrogate older books of the Bible and go, oops, let me fix some stuff. Uh, Islamic theology does that, by the way. The true God, in contrast, is perfect, and he has one united systematic truth that he simply adds to with newer and newer books of the Bible. In other words, the traditions of the Bible are to be preserved for all time. There is no improving upon what God has established. Unlike things made by men, when God does a thing, he does it right and he does it perfectly the first time. The arrogance of man dares to think he can help God out. Men that fear other dumb human beings' opinions more than God feel embarrassed that parts of the Bible that talk about sexual norms or gender roles are outdated for the sophisticated modern times we live in and we need to help God out and make him more palatable by changing stuff. So, as you can see, I already began defining liberal theology. And just like liberal politics, liberal theology looks to the future and rejects the historical old traditions, in this case the traditions of the Bible's authors, and seeks to change the Bible and progress the church to a more enlightened Christianity. A uh, Christianity where we don't believe silly backwards things like 1 Timothy 2.12 that women can't be pastors or Matthew 5.32 that a man that divorces a wife except on grounds of sexual immorality is committing adultery or Deuteronomy 22.5 that a man purposefully trying to look like a woman is an abomination to God. You know, all these non-politically correct things that get you banned on Twitter. Now, if you couldn't tell from how sarcastic I am being, Unlike the paradigm of politics, the theologically liberal, self-professed Christian is necessarily, actually, a non-Christian. Or to be more blunt, a theological liberal is really a heretic, someone that claims to be a Christian but is actually a false believer. There is absolutely no room in Christian religion for the worldview of theological liberalism, theological progressivism, because there is no room for improvement on God's word. As soon as you start trying to mess with things in the Bible, you're already headed in the wrong direction. And just to make the case even stronger, let's hear God's very own words on this topic. God warns as clearly and explicitly as possible at the very end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. This is God speaking. Quote, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. End quote. I mean, how much clearer do you need it to be? 
This is the end of the book. This is the end of the constitution of Christian religion. There is no more from here on. Don't add anything to it. Certainly don't delete anything from it. It's done. There's nowhere else to go from here. Nothing to progress to. Just preserve it exactly as it is and do it until I come back. It's perfect. So let me state it another way. Thou shalt be a conservative theologian. Your one job as a Christian is to conserve the biblical worldview and the apostolic traditional understanding of how to read the Bible and how to do church. Or in the words of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2.15, So then, Christians, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, Jesus' apostles, either by our spoken word or by our letter. That is the Apostle Paul referencing either the Bible spoken by the apostles and not yet written down, or the Bible that was already written down by the apostles. On a side note, this is where Roman Catholics mess things up and they think, yeah, we're doing that. We're being conservative theologians. We're looking back to the old church traditions that Mary had no sin nature and the Pope is directly descended from the apostles and so on. Yeah, but the Roman Catholics' problem is they are actually not conservative enough in their theology. They aren't looking back far enough. They're not looking all the way back to Acts and the Apostolic Church. They're arbitrarily looking back to the relatively new teachings of popes and Catholic priests hundreds of years, generations after the Bible was finished being written by the Apostolic Prophets. They are actually theologically liberal in the sense that they believed the Bible needed to be improved upon and added to with all these Roman Catholic inventions about Mary being our mediator for sins and Christians being able to lose salvation if they commit a mortal sin or whatever. They think they are conservatively holding on to old doctrines, but they are actually very new. It's actually the same error as any modern-day theological liberal like the Jesus Seminar guys that deny all the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. So, on the liberal conservative spectrum of theology, a genuine Christian will be solidly on the far right, and that never changes. That is normative. A Christian is theologically conservative, believing the Bible in its entirety, conserving and upholding the truth that God never makes a mistake and His Word is free of any errors, and reading it as plainly as possible in its proper context. However, once we've determined our location as Christians on the theological spectrum, which is solidly in the conservative camp, we become necessarily informed of where we as Christians are located on the political spectrum. I say it that way to make the point that once we know our Bible well enough and we know how to properly handle it and how to apply it to everyday situations, we should know how to vote and what quote-unquote, political stances to take. How we play the political game becomes driven by our beliefs about God. But note that we have to figure out the theological before the political. If you go backwards, if you start by saying, I choose the Democratic team, or I choose the Republican team, and then say, hmm, let's see how we can cram the Bible to fit my political loyalties, you are committing political idolatry. You're looking to government to save you rather than God. You need to go the other way. You need to ask yourself, what do I believe about God as a Christian? 
and then from there you are able to say, therefore, these are my political positions. Now, I want to make this case more thoroughly in the next episode, but for a moment, let me just give away my political position. I am an unabashed political conservative, but I am very careful to state among my non-believing friends, I am a Christian. That is my identity. That is who I am. And because I am a Christian, I am politically conservative. I'm not a political conservative in some ideological vacuum sense. I have no loyalties to the cause of looking backwards to tradition for the sake of looking backwards to tradition. There's a ton of traditions I hate, and I don't want to conserve. I mean, my Lord Jesus Christ hated a lot of old traditions. But I do think in our present time, in our present American culture, political conservatism is the correct way we ought to vote as Christians. I'll try to make my case next time. For today, I want to wrap up with what I see as two important implications that come out of how we define the theological and political spectrums. So the first implication is, although the Christian does not shift on the theological spectrum, we are called to be theological conservatives through and through for all time, the Christian absolutely shifts on the political spectrum depending on the time or place you are located. Depending on the surrounding culture and the history of your country, a Bible-believing Christian can look like a political conservative or a political liberal. Depending on the cultural context, a Bible-believing Christian can either be pointing society backwards to its past or pointing the society forwards to a better way, a godlier way. Again, God determines the theological spectrum. The battle between conservative and liberal theologians is a battle that traces back to the Garden of Eden. It's a war between God and Satan, the seed of the woman, and the seed of the serpent. The battle lines are static. Did God say yes or no? False teachers want to twist and change God's word. We Christians must conserve God's word. However, the political battle lines are always shifting from country to country, era to era. In some times and in some places, there are literally no good political choices to make. Some people think America is presently in that situation. I obviously disagree. So as a concrete example, if you were to suspend your disbelief for a second with me and ignore all the historical oversimplifications I'm about to make, and let's say we superimpose the modern American political spectrum on ancient Rome. If we were to do that, I think a strong case could be made that Christians would appear in such a society as the political liberals. I mean, think about it. If liberalism can be described as a rejection of a nation's traditional values and looking forward to a transformation of society, how politically radical must have the early church look like to the Roman Empire? Men are equal with women? A testimony of a woman was considered untrustworthy in ancient society. That's how prejudicial people were against women before Christianity's influence. Slaves are equal with free men? There is no Jew or Gentile? We're all one Christian family made in God's image? That's radical, liberal, transformative, progressive stuff. That's an implicit condemnation of Rome's past and present traditions and status quo, and it's a pointing forward to a new society. And by the way, that is indeed what happened. Thanks to Christians evangelizing and discipling others and the quote-unquote 
liberal political opinions Christians were preaching to the culture, the Roman Empire was totally transformed for the better. And in fact, I don't have to imagine how radical the church looked like in ancient Rome. There is an extant history of Rome recorded in 80 volumes by the senator Lucius Cassius Dio, who died in AD 235. In Book 67, Cassius Dio states that the Emperor Domitian executed a couple of relatives on the charge of atheism. Cassius Dio goes on to explain, quote, Atheism, a charge on which many others who drifted into Jewish ways were condemned. Some of these were put to death, and the rest were at least deprived of their property, end quote. Did you catch that? Jews and Christians were called atheists in Roman society. In other words, anyone that held a Judeo-Christian religious notion that there was only one God and rejected the polytheism of all the dozens of Roman gods were charged with the radical, progressive, can I say liberal, crime of atheism. So all this to say, Christians, don't get too precious about your political affiliations. It's a fluid thing. It doesn't change quickly, but if enough time passes... I mean, over decades, if the American empire collapses and we enter a new era of geopolitical history, the unshifting Bible-believing Christian will appear differently to the culture on the political landscape. A second important implication of our discussion is we need to consider the fact that because our political stance is an application of our theological stance, a Christian's political opinions are further away from the Bible. And the fact is, the further and further you get from explicit biblical teachings, not further away as in you're drifting into heresy, but further away as in you're trying really hard to apply the Bible to issues that aren't explicitly talked about in the Bible, the harder the work is to think biblically. And that should cause us to be especially humble and careful when interacting with other Christians with different political stances. So what I mean by that is, the closest you can get to the Bible is when you're dealing with the Bible itself. So for example, the question, how many disciples did Jesus have, is super easy because you are literally in the Bible when answering this question. Oh, 12. It's right there in the text. Or even a theological issue. If it is directly pinned to a chapter and verse like, who is the savior of the world? Oh, easy. John 3.16. Jesus, God's son. It says it right there. But as soon as you move away one step from the explicit words of the Bible, you have to start doing the far harder work of application. You're not doing strict interpretation anymore, where you are just uncovering the meaning of what a biblical author meant to say in the passage. You are now taking the interpretation, the meaning, of an explicit text and trying to apply it, trying to extend it to some other situation in your life. So take an example like marijuana. Most Christians would consider this an easy topic, right? They would just reflexively go, oh, easy, it's a sin. Is it though? Can you biblically prove it to me? What chapter and verse in the Bible tells me I can't smoke weed? Can you show me? What is marijuana in the Greek and Hebrew? You see, even a topic like smoking marijuana that we just immediately think is an easy topic to deal with is actually already so much harder than counting the number of disciples because the Bible does not explicitly deal with the subject of marijuana. We can't just do interpretation. We have to extend the interpretation of the Bible to its logical conclusions and do the work of application. 
Now, that does not mean the Bible does not deal with the subject of marijuana. That is not what I said. But what I am saying is to hear the Bible's opinion on marijuana, there is an extra step of work we have to do to come to the correct conclusion because there is technically no verse that uses the word marijuana. So to get to the right answer, we have to recall, for example, Ephesians 5.18 that warns us not to be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And we recognize, ah, the interpretation here is don't drink so much wine that you become intoxicated. Don't let wine control you. Let the Spirit of God control you. That is the meaning of the text. And now I can apply that interpretation of Ephesians 5.18 and recognize I should not smoke marijuana because that also intoxicates. Or we need to take Galatians 5.23 and recognize through interpretation that God commands self-control. And then we can apply the interpretation of Galatians 5.23 and apply that to conclude that anything we take or smoke or drink, including marijuana, that causes us to lose self-control is sin. So if we had to do all that biblical applicational work for marijuana, the world of politics is sometimes several steps away from explicit biblical teaching. Again, that does not mean the Bible is not able to guide our political stances. It does, and it can. Christians too quickly leap to using the lazy argument, oh, the Bible is silent on this issue. That is almost never true, by the way. I actually can't think of any significant issue off the top of my head we can't apply some verse of the Bible to, if not indirectly. I'm convinced God has an opinion on just about everything. Even if his opinion is him saying, I don't have an opinion on this, do whatever you want, he tells us so in his word. And if you don't see that, you're just not studying your Bible enough. But that all being said, sometimes when we're navigating politics, sometimes, not all the time, we will not have an explicit Bible verse we can draw from to form a political opinion, and we need to do the hard work of application. Sometimes we don't even have an application, and we have to make an application of an application. Two steps. And every time you take that step away from Scripture itself, you have a higher likelihood of making a bad assumption somewhere and getting something wildly wrong in the interim. Especially when you really drill down to the super detailed level of public policy, it gets very, very difficult. Not impossible, but very difficult to discern the biblical choice from the wrong one. I find, by and large, when I see Christians disagreeing on politics, they are all totally in agreement on the biblical principles. Everyone agrees we need to honor God. Everyone agrees we need to love our neighbor. Everyone agrees that we need to try to influence society for the better. And if we don't see that in our fellow brother or sister in Christ that disagrees politically with us, we're probably being ungracious. Everyone even points to the same verses, but the trouble always comes with the much harder job of how do we correctly apply these verses to the political issues at hand. So let's not rush to judgment. Let's not be judgmental. Let's really try to love each other through an admittedly very difficult topic for everyone to think through, a very emotional topic. Let's extend all the grace that is due our fellow brothers and sisters. So anyway, this is my mental framework for thinking through conservative and liberal politics in relation to conservative and liberal theology. I hope I helped you distinguish the two. Next episode, I want to make the case that a theologically conservative Christian in the specific location of America, 
in the specific span of time up to and including the year 2020 should be politically conservative. I think this is the political position most consistent with the Bible, so stay tuned for that discussion. Thanks for joining me today on Modern Dogma. Men, air, God is sovereign. Thank you.